You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. So we're, we're going through this series, Becoming, and really what we've been looking at throughout this series is we focus so much on what we're, where we're going, but let's take some time to focus on where, what we're becoming. And uh, in 2002, there was a really uh, unique uh, moment in Major League Baseball. Uh, one of the smallest budgets for player salaries of any team was the Oakland Athletics, not the Pittsburgh Pirates. They were probably at the bottom. Um, but this is not a story about the Pittsburgh Pirates because this is going to end with winning, not losing. Um, but the uh, Oakland A's were in quite a bind. They didn't have the money to spend to go out and buy the big uh, athletes that other teams were. Their general manager, Billy Bean, was tired of his inability to outbid other teams for good players. So he reaches out to a friend of his, a guy named Paul D. Podesta, who was a Harvard alum with a background in economics. Uh, he had a knack for baseball statistics. The two, two of these guys, they used advanced statistics to take a second look at the team's scouting report and, and how they were scouting talent. Uh, Bean and DePodesta set about mining decades of data on hundreds of individual players in order to figure out the best strategy for recruiting the right players. Uh, their analysis revealed that baseball scouts were actually overlooking certain statistics that could more accurately predict how many runs a player would score in a game. Uh, in short, scouts were clueless when it came to accurately valuing talent. They went for the ones that looked good, the ones that had the big name, but they were missing talent. Drawing from these conclusions, Bean realized that players who scored high on these overlooked statistics were probably undervalued in the bidding market. He began seeking out these quote-unquote bargain players or players who were flying under the radar of other teams but whose statistics suggested they would actually score more runs. Despite pushback from his own baseball scouts, Bean pulled the trigger on this radical new strategy of acquiring some new players, new talent. Bean bet big on analytics and in the end, his efforts paid off. The A's started to win even against teams with much larger budgets. The team became the first team in over 100 years in the American League to win 20 consecutive games in a season. The 2002 Oakland Athletics, pegged by baseball insiders, at best as a mediocre club at the outset of the season, uh, exposed much of the sport's conventional wisdom when they posted 102 to 60 regular season record. Remarkable. The Pirates haven't seen 100 wins since... Most of us were alive, okay? Um, they did this with a roster composed of players that were largely overlooked by other baseball teams with unusual pitching techniques, uh, fielders who were overweight or couldn't run quickly, and hitters who barely knew how to hit a home run. In short, the 2002 Oakland A's were a team of players who didn't look like Major League Baseball players at all. This story would become so historic that it was recorded uh, by Michael Lewis in his groundbreaking book, Moneyball, uh, that, was later, that was released in 2003 and later became a movie uh, in 2011. And, and the story of the Oakland Athletics is one of many examples in sports and really elsewhere where we see the remarkable value of a team compared to one or two superstars. 
It's essentially a story of the bad news bears becoming the New York Yankees. They took a team that was perceived by many of the quote-unquote experts to be a bust and turned out to be the perfect makeup of players to succeed at a high level. Now, this is a nice story, but when we think of this story and we translate some of those ideas to modern society, to what we're walking through today, it's an interesting place to, to, to land. You see, we live in a culture that has never been more divided. Whether you're inside the church or outside the church, Christian or non-Christian, arguments can be quickly ignited, debates or even all caps shouting matches can take place on the internet on topics ranging from uh, masking policies to immigrants to abortion to the effectiveness of vaccine and on and on and on. And and we've all seen them. And, And this is where society has found itself with all of its division, all of its tension, Uh, Today, though, I want to focus in a little bit more specifically on this idea. What has happened to the American church? In in 2021, Christians generally aren't debating theology, the meaning of a passage of scripture or the limits of God's grace or his love. We're debating and arguing over things that in the end don't have eternal consequences. Not that they're not important, Because these issues involve human beings, which are very important. But these issues have allowed churches to be divided across our country, not over worship style, not over the version of the Bible the pastor is preaching from, or or even a theological position that someone is is taking. Uh, And in this context, I've asked myself many times this question. I would venture to guess that many pastors are asking this question as well in this period. It's this, how can a church gather, worship, and make a difference in this world with such diverse stances on a variety of hot-button issues? Is it even possible, or will we just end up with churches being divided by stances on issues rather than religious practice and theology? In fact, did you know that there are people in this church that voted for the political party that you hate? Did you know there are actually people who call this church home that have very strong opinions and stances on COVID measures that would probably tick you off if you knew about them. There are even people who call this place home who come to church here every week that believe deeply on different social justice issues that might disturb you if you knew about them. Now before you guys get all fired up and you know, march out and you know, make a big stink of it, this presents an interesting question. We find ourselves in a really unique place. What do we do? How do we respond to this kind of situation that we found ourselves in? Do, do we go on, on a mission to eliminate one side so our church can reflect a uniform stance on everything? Do we just start preaching politics harder or social issues harder to make all those across the aisle feel less important or isolated so they can go to another place that holds to their same stance on, on those issues? While those might make some sense to a few of you, can I, can I present maybe a different approach, different idea? Remember the story of the Oakland Athletics, 2002. When you look at the state of the American church with all of its baggage right, right in front of us, with all of its junk and, and the division and quarreling, it really seems like the American church's days are numbered. Like, to be honest... If you look at the scope of the American church in 2021, it doesn't look good. But isn't that what others were saying about the Oakland Athletics? They didn't seem to have the right players. The circumstances and group of people that uh, they had were wrong. They were the wrong group. 
necessary to win. And in other words, they didn't have the right ingredients to succeed to really make a mark on history. Now, maybe I'm a little crazy here. Maybe I'm uh, kind of skewed. But I have this weird thought that we actually might have exactly what we need to make a difference in, our, in this world together. After all, if we were all the same, what good would that be? And if we can't work together to impact this world, what hope is there for our broken world? The Apostle Paul had a similar situation with a fairly dysfunctional church located in the city of Corinth. Now, if you're not familiar, Corinth in the first century was a very metropolitan city that, be, that because of its proximity to multiple sailing ports, you, there actually was kind of position between two ports, so you could come from different directions uh, on, on the water. Because of its position there, um, you, what you saw in, in uh, Corinth was a melting pot of culture, of science and socioeconomics. It was a very diverse city. In this context, Paul started a church. Now, that sounds like a great thing. After all, this is the Apostle Paul. Like, he's a giant of the faith. And, and it was a great thing, but they struggled. This church struggled often to find, often at times, to, to ultimately find unity because of the significant differences of views, opinions, and stances on all kinds of things. Doesn't that sound familiar? The pressure was, just as it is today, to force everyone to magically look the same, act the same, talk the same, but Paul was working really hard to debunk that myth, the myth of this approach. And in 2 Corinthians 12, before Paul goes into this discourse about compassion and, and the love that should be present among followers of Jesus in 1 Corinthians 13, he illustrates how unity actually works and why it ultimately works. Here's what it says in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. It says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For, for we are all baptized by one spirit so, that, uh, so as to form one body. Can you say one body? One body, one body. He, he goes on. Uh, Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Do you notice how Paul's saying, hey, it doesn't even matter your background, like Jews, Gentiles, slave or free. That was a pretty broad spectrum there. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them. <coughs> Just as he, hold on a second. But, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? <coughs> now, uh, throughout this series we've been walking through, you know, we've been talking about our values or these habits of living an overflowing life with Jesus. Uh, two weeks ago, we have these little icons that go along with it. Two weeks ago, we, we talked about how we start uh, with God's, there we are. We get there? Boom. 
we talked about uh, we start with God's word and his spirit. And last week, Pastor Michael talked about how we grow in the context of relationships. And, and uh, you know, if we stop there, can I be honest, life would be really good. After all, everything would be built around our own personal growth, betterment, and development. And that's a really good place to be in. <clears throat> well, for you. Uh, some might even say it's a healthy place to be in. But our existence as human beings ultimately isn't to be healthy, to better ourselves, uh, or to simply grow. I, I know that might run contrary to so much of what we're told, taught, or read about, but our ultimate existence, my existence, our reason for being isn't to spend the 80, 90 plus years we're given on this earth to better, get better each day or each year. It's, it's not even to get healthier or to become the quote-unquote best version of ourselves. It's not to say that any of that's wrong. Those can be part of the journey, but in the end, they're not the destination. They are not God's ultimate goal for us. And, and for the next three weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about that destination. <coughs> God's end goal for all of us. Or what, uh, what starting with God's word and spirit, growing in the context of relationship, ultimately produces. In, in Psalm 139, verse 13, it says this, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You see, we are all formed uniquely different. Can you say different? Can you turn to the person next to you and say, you are different? You can turn to the person on the other side and say, you're even more different. We're different, right? Just like there isn't a single snowflake that's the same, a single sunrise or sunset that's the same, there aren't two human beings that walk this earth that are ever completely identical. Even identical twins have some differences in personality and talents. So the big question, the big question is how in the world do we all work together? How could we possibly achieve anything, especially unity, in such a divided, diverse world? Here's how. We move forward together in teams. We move forward together in teams. It's when we recognize that our differences actually can become our strengths that we begin to work toward a similar goal. Let me explain. Think about this. Just to walk across the platform like this, just to walk, think about all that is working together just to make that happen. The joints and the ligaments, the, the bones and the muscles. It takes all of that doing something as simple as walking. Now think how more complex that is if you're going to run or do some kind of physical labor. <clears throat> or imagine this. A doctor, a surgeon is performing open heart surgery. <clears throat> Think about how much of that surgeon's body is working together just to do something so specific and advanced as open heart surgery. Brain snapses are firing, the, the ligaments and the muscles and the joints and everything's working just the way it has to for that surgeon to be able to do their job. This is how the body was made. <clears throat> This is the parallel Paul is drawing to our existence. We exist not simply to grow or become the best version of ourselves, just like your arm doesn't exist to be the best 
arm ever. Your neck isn't striving to be the best neck ever. Your knee isn't trying to be the best knee ever. No, they become their best when they work best in conjunction with the other parts of the body. Your leg is at its best when your quads and your knees and your ligaments and your joints are all in sync. The same is true with us. We exist to make a difference in the world. The greatest legacy we will ever leave in this world isn't the excellence of our lives. It's not our ability to convince people of things or debate with people over issues. Ultimately, it's the quality of our touch. What you and I will someday leave behind us won't be our strong stance on this issue or that. It won't be how well we defended our point on some Facebook page or online debate. No, the greatest legacy we will leave is going to be found in how we worked together with others who are different than us to achieve more than we could on our own. None of the Oakland Athletic players in 2002 had the individual talent by themselves to transform the potential of any Major League Baseball team to win like many of the superstars we see on trading cars or cards or, or uh, on you know, endorsing different products. But it was their collective ability and how they all fit together that made them such a talented team. The whole ultimately was greater than the sum of its parts. See, we move together, we move forward together in teams. As a church, we're going to move forward. We're going to leave a mark on this community, this county and this region. I promise you, we are going to leave a mark on this region. COVID, politics, economics, arguments, debates, none of that's going to stand in the way of what God is doing. God said he would build his church. And can I tell you something? This might sound outrageous to you. He's building his church. He's doing it. He's doing that in the miraculous ways right here in Irwin, but also throughout our nation. In five years from now, 10 years from now, I promise you there is going to be a church that is standing stronger, healthier, and even more in sync than we are today. Why? Because we are committed to starting with God's word and his spirit. We're committed because we're we're laser focused on growing in the context of relationships. And we understand that in the end, we will move forward together in teams. And my challenge to you today isn't to set aside your stance on hot button issues. It isn't to fall in line with a certain political party or politician, but the invitation for you is will you join us as we change this broken world together? Will you you take the remarkable, unique gifts God has given to you and use them in unity with the rest of the body? Because we have some massive, massive rubble to move in our broken world, and we can't move it with just an arm or just an elbow or with just a knee. We need everyone working together to make a difference, the difference that our world so desperately needs. We, 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 uh, I know how this works with church, you know. I've grown up in church my whole life, and in most churches, you have a small percentage of people that do all of the work. We are very fortunate. We have an incredible team of volunteers and people who serve on serve teams throughout uh, this church. But maybe you're here, and maybe you're watching online, and you're you're like, I, I like coming to church. I don't want to do anything at church. That's cool. We're not asking you to sign your life away. You don't have to, to, to say, I'm going to do this every single week. But even just using your gifts once a month allows us to increase our capacity and our ability to care and minister to more 
people. There are people outside these walls that don't know Jesus. There are people outside these walls that are trying to navigate life with blinders on. They don't, they don't know what's happening and they're just trying to make one more uh, step. And many of them are not doing well with that. We have an opportunity to show them the love and hope of Jesus. But that's not gonna happen unless we can all work together. Use the gifts that God has given us. You might be the ear. Someone else might be a foot. It's all of us working together. It's not one of us doing everything. You don't have to sign your life away, as I mentioned. It's just using those gifts once a month to minister to people. And there's, uh, when you walk out today, you'll see it in the foyer, uh, an opportunity where you can sign up. Or, or in your pew, uh, there's a blue Connect card. It looks like this. Uh, on the back of it, uh, it says Move. So in the back, under the set heading that says move, if you pull that card out, I want you to look at that. Even pray about it. There's, there's a list of different opportunities to serve. Maybe God's put in your heart, hey, I can use my gifts for this. Maybe God hasn't put it on your heart. Here's what I tell you. God's put it on your heart right now. Let me be the voice of God in your life. Because in the end, the strength of your body is gonna be found in your ability to use it. I've talked to Pastor Dave, uh, who was up here a minute ago. He's going through rehab after all of his medical issues this year. and He's going through physical therapy, and he's trying to uh, use parts of his body that have become weaker, and, and, and it's painful and it's difficult. But the only way those parts of the body are going to get stronger and healthier is by using them. And God has gifted some of you with incredible talents and gifts. Some of them are gifts that are used publicly and on a platform like this. Some of them are gifts that, you know, are more in a smaller setting. And some are gifts that not everyone will see, but they make everything happen. We all have different gifts and wiring. God gave them to you for a reason. And they will be stronger and healthier when you put them to use in the context of the body. That's what God wants you to do. So I want to encourage you. Take this card. Maybe you're like, I don't know if I can do that today. Take it. Take it home. Pick one thing. It might not be the right thing right out of the gate. Try it. See how it goes. And if it's not, find another place. Every, every time, you know, you commit to do something physically, you don't get it right the first time. Let's try to figure something out to find out what is your place and part in the body. Because we live in a diverse world and a diverse church. We could be super divided and focus on our division. Or we can move forward together in teams. That's what God wants to do. My question for you today is how could you use your gifts and your passions ultimately to make a difference in this world? God's given them to you. Let's move forward together in teams. God has incredible things in store for your life. But you know what's even better? God just doesn't have incredible things in store for your life. He has incredible things in store for us as the body of Christ. Paul uses that analogy that we can do far more together than we could individually. Think about what the world could look like, what Norwin, Westmoreland County, Western Pennsylvania could look like if we were willing to get this right. If we were willing to all pitch in and do our part and become the body and make a difference in a world that so desperately needs it. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? God, this morning, God, we, many of us hold uh, these connect cards in our hand. and God, those hands are hands that have talent and ability and gifts. Lord, in, our, in this room, Lord, there's such a, a wealth of knowledge and understanding and wisdom, talents and skills and abilities. God, today, we just lay them before you, Lord, that you would use them 
for your glory. God, even if it's just uh, on occasion or on a regular basis, Lord, help us step out. God, find our place in the body, Lord, that we could use the gifts, the talents, the abilities you've given us to make a difference in our world. Thank you, God, for the privilege you give us as a church that we, with all of our differences, all the things that maybe divide this world, Lord, that we could actually come together and work together, Lord, to, to, to affect this world for the good, to bring hope into hopeless situations, to bring healing to broken places. Thank you, Lord, for that, that incredible privilege that you've given us. God, let us not shrink back because we're afraid or, or anxious or worried. Let us be willing to step out in faith and to be used by you. Lord, you're so good, so good, so gracious to us. Use us for your glory in some way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This is Pastor Nick Poole, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. 